to Soul Conversations, a podcast where two Korean adoptees uncover the heart and soul of what it means to be both Asian American and adopted through sharing of adoptee stories. I'm Benny. And I'm Shanae. Welcome to season two, where we are bringing you even more amazing guests and delving even deeper into adoptees' identities. Shanae, how are you doing today? Good. Feels good to be back. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a while. Yes. I can't remember when the last episode aired. I feel like it was maybe April or May. Yeah, it was the week after Mother's Day was our last episode of season one. Yeah. And you've had a lot of stuff happen during that time frame. Obviously, you became a mother. And (laughs) uh, (laughs) I just saw Clara for the first time this past weekend. She's beautiful. We were just talking about how she has so much character already. And we met at like a Korean adoptee meetup for Denver and Boulder. And uh, as soon as other Korean adoptees started walking in, you could tell that she was getting FOMO. She wanted to see what was going on. And I just, I just loved it. I couldn't believe it. I know. I feel like it's a blessing and a curse. Like on the one hand, I'm excited because she's like very into everything. She's really engaged and like really focused. She just started... I think she's in the middle of like a developmental leap, they call them, kind of like a growth spurt, but also with developmental milestones because my in-laws were here this past week and even in the last four days, the amount that she's changed, like now she tracks things with her eyes, she fully lifts her head up during tummy time, she started cooing Mm. and making all these sounds all of a sudden. It's really crazy how fast it happens and it's really cool, but at the same time, I'm thinking – oh my gosh, we're going to have our hands full because I just have this feeling that she's going to be the kid that is, you know, a master manipulator in like a good way, like a cute way. Um, yeah. Already she gets fussy if she gets bored. She doesn't like sitting still too long. And it's just, we're in for we're in for a ride for the next 18 years. <laughs> yes, yes. I love it. And uh, she's so adorable at the Korean adopting meetup. It's this like it's just crazy to see how everyone um, is just making their own little uh, babies, and, and they're so cute to uh, be around. But Clara, especially, was, was just nice to meet her in person finally after COVID. Just uh, you know, kind of forced us to do everything remotely. I know. I feel like you heard so much about her, and like because I haven't seen you all through COVID either. We met, I think, for like the second time in person right before COVID happened. And then we launched the podcast and have done everything completely separately. So you and I haven't even seen each other in the last, what, like 12, 18 <laughs> months or something? Like it's it's crazy to something me that, like that. that I went through an entire pregnancy and you never once saw me pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know is that I mean? a good like, thing or bad? Really weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. And I, I think too – it's tested me with my friendships and relations to, to not like in a bad way, but definitely trying to get back on the horse and, and figuring out how to be social again has been mm-hmm. interesting because I thought like, oh, start uh, you know going out and seeing your friends again. But it feels like everyone's still kind of coming out of that life of doing everything remote and, and, and trying to give their energy in person now. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it was good to see you in person too as well. But also, too, you have some other news. Your husband, Daniel, recently got a new job. Yeah. Yeah. We are a uh, 
go big or go home family, apparently. It seems (laughs) we were joking about our anniversary because our wedding anniversary is July 13th. And we were saying that the first year we were married, we moved out to Colorado. And then the next year we were married was this past year. And we bought a house. And then this year we had Clara. And next year, because of his new job during our anniversary, we will be relocating from Boulder to San Francisco. So maybe by the fifth wedding anniversary, we'll (laughs) just be boring and sit on the couch and do nothing. (laughs) Um, Something tells me that's not going to be the case. (laughs) Yeah, probably not. Um, I don't think it'll be, I don't think Clara will be having a sibling, at least I can safely say. (laughs) But (laughs) at least if I have anything to say about it. But, um, Who knows what will be happening. But yeah, we're making the move, I guess, the rest of the way across the country fully to the West Coast. We went Mm -hmm. East east Coast to Colorado, and now we'll go to California. Yeah. Is there certain things that you're looking forward to living in the Bay Area? You know, yeah. I think – and we had had conversations as a as a couple about we love we love Boulder, we love Colorado, we like the lifestyle, um, and obviously the nature and everything. And if it were just the two of us, I could stay here for forever and be fine and be happy. Um, mm-hmm. But once Clara came into the picture, I think for me, I really started thinking about, and particularly where we live, we're outside of Boulder, we're in Weld County, which is pretty rural, and thinking about what is it going to look like when she goes to school? Who's she going to school with? What's the diversity like? Is she going to be the only like me? Mm-hmm. And the answer here is yes. <laughs> um, so yeah. moving to the Bay Area and just seeing already, you know, the the community of not only Koreans, but Korean adoptees out there. They have like a Chuseok Festival in September, like a very, very active adoptee community and just more people of color in general. That's the biggest positive and thing that I'm looking forward to as we, you know, live there. Who knows how long we'll be there, but hopefully at least for her to start school. Um, yeah. I'm super excited for her to be in that environment. Yeah. I've I've always uh, appreciated that aspect too as well. I had um, a friend out there that lived out for a little bit in the Bay Area and my sister and her family lived out there for a couple years too. And I really... You know, at the time, I didn't know any better, but I definitely felt a little more just like relaxed and open because there was other people out there that looked like me and you just feel could feel like the energy of, you know, a sense of belonging. But I echo the same sentiment too. you know, living in Denver right now. I do feel the same way, but like the community out in San Francisco, it's like, I'm, I'm excited to see how your experience goes, especially with the little one. Yeah, you'll have to come out and visit. We'll have to go explore and things like that. I know for sure. And I know even looking out like on, on Zillow for houses too, and I know that the housing market right now is so hot and so crazy. Oh my gosh. But Yeah, I'm um, not excited about that part, the whole like, because we just bought our first house and the thought of like, we're looking at houses, we're looking at townhouses and condos and things like that. And, and even like renting, it's so expensive. Like you don't save anything if you rent. So <laughs> we're, right. we're trying not to think about that part too much and focus on the yeah. other things, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. And if, if you uh, send out the invite, I'll definitely hop over. I, I love the city, but yeah, it's going to be sad not having you in Boulder anymore and, and not being able to we, like you said, we just got out of COVID and starting to meet up again in person. But times change, you know. You gotta you gotta take the advantage of it. So yeah, couldn't be happier for you both. And the good news is we're really good at doing the podcast remotely. So 
it's not going to go away. <laughs> well, I guess Johnson exactly. does it remotely too because they we just saw Nathan at our CAD meetup because he's back in uh, back in Colorado and Broomfield. So it was nice to meet him in person after listening mm-hmm. to him and the rest of the boys for so long. So, but we we're talking about how the three of them are just going to be meeting in person for the first time in August for their live live taping of their show. So, you know, we're not yeah. the only ones. Everyone's kind of finding community via online venues, I guess. What about you? What have you been up to the last month or two? The last month or two has been crazy. So one of the things that we left on a good note from season one was just talking about like mental health, Kara, and incorporating a good sense of not only being physically healthy, but also mentally healthy. And I, I finally took the opportunity to look for a therapist because I, you know, I thought this would be a good opportunity for me to talk about some of those hotter topics we we discussed in season one, and we specifically sought out um, someone who was also a transracial adoptee, and it's been so good. Um, I, I'm a couple sessions in right now, and similar to what Kara said. I said to to this person, like, I don't want my this all the session to be about my Korean heritage and your Korean adoptee. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, it, it keeps on picking <laughs> through. And I also said to it's like I, I have a, a friend and she she mentioned too like having all these plates in the air and I feel the same way. And uh it's just good to be able to talk to someone in a in a profession that is able to provide those good sense of mental health. And I think this past year, and I'm sure I'm, I'm not alone in this as, as well for COVID, but it, it was really tough on my mental health and just changing careers, trying to navigate, you know, friendships and relationships and being a good uncle for, for my nephews and nieces and continuing to try to talk to my parents. It just felt like everything was up in the air, but I feel so much better just being able to have, you know, concrete tools to feel really good about these things. And one of the things he said is like, you're trying to solve all these problems and you're taking too much on. Um, I'm paraphrasing, (laughs) (laughs) but it's been good though, that it's helping me just to be able to relax this summer and really get back to trying to be a healthy person all around and, getting outdoors and experiencing all of Colorado for what it is. And it's been great. And my home team, the Milwaukee Bucks, the NBA team in Wisconsin is currently in the NBA finals, which is huge for me. So there's just been a lot (laughs) of stuff going on outside of my professional work. That's been really good too. But one thing I have not done yet is gotten bubble tea or uh, been to some of the Korean restaurants that we talked about in season one. So they're still going to be on my list for this summer yet to do. Yeah, we'll have to make sure that that happens. Maybe I'll organize one of the the CAD meetups at a K barbecue place or a bubble tea place. Oh, totally in. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Last season was so great. And we kind of talked about it in the final episode that the outpouring of responses and comments and people wanting to share their stories was so immensely unexpected, but great. And we talked about a lot of tough things. But Sinead, do you want to talk about what we're going to try to focus on for season two? Yeah. So we had, you know, a blast recording season one. 
and we had so many wonderful guests and that's definitely continuing for this season. But I think Kara closing out season one was just such a great transition, I think, for us as adoptees and our frame of minds, but also the podcast in of itself. And it really got us thinking about season two and what we wanted to focus on. And, you know, we still wanted to have conversations with fellow adoptees, not just Korean, but other Asian adoptees as well. And we want, you know, obviously want to talk about everything that comes with adoption and acknowledge that there are some hard things and there are heavy things. But we also, you know, Kara really hit the nail on the head when she said, is being an adoptee all I'm ever going to be? And is Mm -hmm. that all that I'm going to be self-identifying as or that other people are going to identify me as? And really that struggle to define yourself in addition to or aside from your identity as an adoptee. So the guests that we have this season, you know, they are adoptees, but they're doing really cool things in their personal lives and their professional lives. And we really want to celebrate and focus on those two to say like, hey, like, these are all the really neat things that are going on within the adoptee community. And they're movers and shakers, they're innovators, um, they're philanthropists, and you know, all these really just cool people that have great stories and are, are going after things and really kind of taking life by the by the horn, so to speak. So we really want to talk about that and, you know, bring them on and hear about their adoption stories, but also hear just about what they're doing as people. You know, we have musicians, we have chefs and cooks, and we have athletes. And it's just, it's really, really cool to celebrate all of those things in addition to our adoptee identities. Yes, I'm I'm so excited for that. And we had a discussion too about, you know, what do you want season two to be? And we both talked about like season one was great and we need to give space to that Korean adoptee identity and that heritage, but, you know, also giving people the space to say, but that's not all of me. There's so many other things that are, that are going on personally in my life. And so I'm also really excited to hear the guests, but now I got to put you on the spot. Have, have you really thought about that, about yourself of, <laughs> of what you, what you claimed your identity to be outside of your Korean heritage and your adoptee? stories. It's so funny you say that because I was just looking in our notes for one of our future <laughs> guests and that you know we ask we're going to be asking our guests, you know, how do you identify yourself in you know aside from your adoptee identity? And I was just thinking, shoot, we probably should <laughs> answer that question. <laughs> and I yep. realized that yeah. I you know hadn't totally I so speaking of therapy, I've never been with a transracial adoptee therapist or an adoptee therapist. Um, I've been to plenty of therapists, but they've all just been, you know, your run-of-the-mill average mental Mm -hmm. health workers, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. And when I was getting married and I had taken a year, a leave of absence from teaching because I had gotten my bipolar disorder diagnosis, we had the conversation about identity, but it was framed around my job because I identified as Mm. a teacher and it Mm -hmm. was so much I was like I don't know who I am if I don't teach like I was holding on so tightly I was like I don't know like if I'm not teaching like I'm nothing um yeah and so I did have that conversation and think about those things and have to go through kind of the steps or the exercise of saying oh but I'm you know I'm a daughter and I'm a friend and I'm a fiance at the time and Mm -hmm. um So I thought about those, but the adoption never came up. And then once we started doing the podcast, and I think as I started blogging more, I started to feel more like Kara, like, oh, 
do I have to write about my adoption because I'm an adoptee? Like, is that now the lane that I'm putting myself in and that I'm put in that I need to stay in? Like, what if I, what if I want to blog about something else? God forbid. Um, Yeah. Right. And I think now having Clara, I definitely have taken on that, that mother piece, you know, identify as a mom. I definitely identify as a wife more now. I don't know why that goes part and parcel with motherhood in my mind, but yeah, I think, and even doing the podcast, like I never would have thought that this is what I would be doing if you asked Mm -hmm. me, you know, two years ago, a year and a half ago, it just came out of left field. So the takeaway that I've had is that with identity, you can't, well, I guess you, you shouldn't just identify as one thing and hold on so tightly, you know, just even with motherhood, like I shouldn't ever let myself get to a point where all I see myself as is a mom because, you know, I need to be, I need to be a woman. I need to be, you know, an independent person and I need to have other parts of my personality and interests and all that and keep that all going. I can't just let it all go to the wayside and be sacrificed to motherhood, you know, which I think is really hard for a lot of moms. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I guess I don't, I don't see myself as only an adoptee and I'm starting to be more conscious about making sure I don't just settle and rest on that piece of my identity and let myself kind of wallow in it. Um, Yeah. So maybe it already has, Sinead, but when do you anticipate these conversations of identity and, uh, you know, trying to integrate your daughter into maybe the Korean culture, if you choose to do so, have, have those thoughts crept in yet? You know, we talked about being a mother and we just talked about Clara has such a big personality already. <laughs> you know, is that something you're, you're trying to hold up because there's so many other daily things you're working on? You mentioned you've learned how to do so many things with one hand and complete them in like five to 15 minutes because that's all you have. But, uh, you know, is there, is there some, is there going to be a time when you, when you start, you know, to have those conversations if you, if you're thinking about them? Yeah. I mean, Daniel and I with moving to San Francisco, we actually just had the conversation the other night. I had broached the subject um, because during season one, I think episode nine, when I talked to Jen Che, she was saying that she's, she's in the LA area And her husband, she's Korean American and her husband, Ben, is Caucasian and they have two children, um, one who is their daughter, Aria, is preschool aged. And she was saying how Aria goes to a Korean immersion preschool. And I thought, wow, that's so great. And she said, you know, that they have Korean language classes that her husband is taking. um, So it really can be a family thing. And I started looking around San Francisco to see if there were Korean immersion preschools and schools there. And it turns out there are. Mm -hmm. So Daniel and I had a conversation. I said, you know, what do you think about possibly sending Clara to a school with a Korean immersion program? And, you know, if it seems like it's a good fit academically all the way around. And it's definitely something that we're open to. But we've talked about that. We've talked about taking her to some of the festivals and going as a family to some of the Korean adoptee events and some of the Korean events in general, the cultural things, you know, obviously I don't talk to her about that. I'm not like, you know, when you're three years old, you're going (laughs) to go to a Korean immersion preschool. But we do read 
a lot. I mean, she has Where's Harmony is a book. She has Bebimbop and Eyes That Kiss in the Corners. And we read all those to her, even though we know that she's only two months old. And even in the way that we talk to her, aside from her being mixed and being Korean American, she loves to look at herself in the mirror. And we're really careful to not say like, oh, who's that pretty girl? Or who's that cute Mm. girl? To use other things and say, you know, like, you're so strong, or I love how you're not giving up, or you are so determined. And those things, like, not just those little girl cute things, I feel like it's important to to use other adjectives and use yeah. other descriptors other than yeah. you're cute, or you're pretty, or you're beautiful. And, you know, yeah. and to not put those first, I feel like for women, yeah. we're trying to yeah. make sure that she's supported in terms of her all facets of her identity. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting, too. And you know, when I was, when I'm trying to think about, you know, what is Benny outside the, my Korean heritage? And I think maybe last year I could have told you. And I, I think just having these conversations now and having such great guests on to bring uh, some really different perspectives. For me, there was a while the summer where it's just like, I don't want to be great. I don't want to be the best at this or be identified this. I just want to be normal or just fit in. And I think that's where there was this pinnacle of just having a good therapist to talk to, to have these conversations and really getting my, you know, my compass pointed in the right direction where I felt was a healthy place to go. And there's still days where I feel that way, but I I definitely feel a sense of like, yes, maybe I do want to be normal and and fit in, but at the same time, though, there's so many other great things about me that I'm, I'm really excited to share and talk about in season two, along with their guests. But at the same time, there's also a clean slate for me to explore a lot of these other topics, especially that our guests have bringing up, really hone in what I love to do and what I want to identify at. And I think this space and this podcast and our guests and all of our listeners have really been great to, you know, help me explore that. Um, just because like there was a time where I thought I I, I knew what I wanted to do and, and wanted to be and I think it's okay just to have doubt or have all these things where it's like, if I don't do these things, and I don't feel accomplished in these areas, then I'm nothing. And I think there was a time where I just felt like that. But I feel really confident that this space has given me and hopefully all of our guests and all of our listeners the opportunity to really dig deep and understand that, you know, we we all can identify as uh, Korean adoptees, but we're really excited to hear the other things that go on in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Do you find with with your therapy sessions, and you don't you don't have to answer if this is too much, but do you find that having a therapist who is also an adoptee, they are better able to pinpoint certain things? Like, do you really feel like there are certain hallmarks that, you know, these are things that you talk about in therapy and they just are so common throughout the thread of being an adoptee, like perfectionism or fear of abandonment? Like, do you feel like having a therapist who's also an adoptee themselves that they're able to really kind of hit the nail on the head more than if they weren't? Yes, very much so. And and, that, and I think that's specifically why I sought out someone who was a transnational adoptee um, and a transnational adoptee because I, I was even talking to uh, uh, someone I met this past weekend and he was telling me the same thing too as well. It's like, there's just going to be some things that people don't get 
unless you're in that space and understand it. And mm-hmm. when you're talking to someone professionally, it's not like you are discrediting their profession if they don't have that baseline experience. But it, it does kind of feel like that would be that way if that if, if that person didn't know what it's like being a transnational or transracial adoptee. Gotcha. So that definitely has been extremely helpful. And my previous conversation I had with her was just the idea of race. And that was tough for me too, because part of me was minimizing and marginalizing the the trauma that I have gone through my life. And a lot of it was based on race. And that was kind of a mechanism to survive. Right. And she was just really point blank and saying like, this is a world that is not necessarily it has a space for black and brown people. And mm. And just hearing that out loud and just saying, hearing it from someone just that point blank really just helped me realize that these things that I was going through and still, you know, go through today is not because I'm bad or or I'm damaged. It's it's because, you know, there's these systems that are set up. And I think that was important for me to have someone who also experiences those things too, as well, from that perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why I think it was important for me to have someone that could understand those things and have those really good conversations. I definitely have uh, requested notes um, for my sessions because they've been so good and I'm terrible at explaining my thoughts sometimes. But yeah, it, it is it is comforting to have like a clinical aspect to just, you know, what people are going through. And it's been great. I've had good conversations with my sister too, who is also a transracial green adoptee. And I've learned that her perspective is so much different than mine and we're brothers and sisters. So it's been really good to have that space to to talk about those things with, with my family more openly now. Speaking of perspective, thinking back on season one, I know you and I had talked a lot about how, you know, our season one was kind of heavy. <laughs> uh, we mm-hmm. definitely acknowledge that. And I feel like even in social media, because I've stepped away since I've been focusing on on Clara. And, you know, I'm starting to delve back in a little bit. And, you know, there is trauma associated with adoption. And there are a lot of negatives. And I feel like in educating people about adoption, specifically transracial and transnational adoption, you can't necessarily ignore those negative things. But I do Mm -hmm. feel like, you know, now that I've been away for a while, coming back, (laughs) there's part of me that's like, gosh, this space is just so thick. Like if you know, you know, do you get that feeling sometimes? Like, I don't, I don't think I realized when I was in it and, you know, just consuming people's people's stories and people's comments and people's perspectives that are so valuable and so important. I'm not saying that they're not, but just that that 24-7 consumption of, you know, people bearing their souls and, you know, hashing out their feelings mm-hmm. and and sharing mm-hmm. their traumas. It's very emotionally draining and heavy to to put it out there, to consume it. But I know you and I had talked about, you know, despite the fact that there is trauma with adoption and that there are definitely hard feelings and heavy emotions that, you know, is is there any good that comes from it? And is there any is there any mm-hmm. silver lining? Are there any positives? And not to say that everybody will share the same positives or feel that there are positives, um, but I think yeah. we wanted to at least ask our guests this season, you know, is there anything about being adopted or their adoption story or their journey or experience that they've gone through, good or bad? Like, 
that they are, I don't want to say grateful or thankful for, because I know that's like a touchy, Mm -hmm. those are touchy words, but is there any positive to the journey that they've had as adoptees? Like, you know, so I guess I'll start with asking you, what if any are some positives that have come out for you personally Mm. and, you know, walking through what you've walked through? (laughs) Yeah. Gosh, see, this is where I wish I had my, my therapist notes. Okay. <laughs> um, so I actually have been thinking about that a lot lately, um, and even in the past 48 hours. And one of the things that I talked about was just this notion that I've just felt so, I, I, I felt like in, in my life, I've been so burned and that I've been so wronged and I hold on to that. And a big part of me in my personality is who cares? You just got to put on your big boy pants and deal with it and push through. And regardless of what happened to you, you can't be sad and you can't feel that way. You got to find things to make yourself feel great. and have this perception of people say, Benny is in the Korean adoptee, he's X, Y, or Z. And it was good for her to point out, like, you're holding on to these things. And and, and I think a lot of it comes back back to, I get that I need to have, you know, create healthy boundaries and and not hold on to those things and feel spited or feel like, you know, I've worked so hard for this, why did this person get this promotion? Or you know, I'm doing great things as a friend or as a romantic partner. Why Why do these things fall through? It's going to happen. But at the same time, I feel still so confident that I want my legacy to be someone who's experienced these terrible things, but is not going to pass that on to the next generation. I still want to be understanding the people's, people's trauma and say, you can have to change the world mentality. I want to have my legacy be, say, when Benny hangs up his cleats and he's six feet under, he he was a person who really tried to be a person who came and looked at this world from compassion and tried to change it for the better, even though there are things that burned him. And I think that's been really a guiding light for me that, yes, those things come with some really big baggage and big responsibility and there's things I shouldn't take on. But I do really feel hopeful about just having that perspective in life and and saying, like, there's a lot of things going on with Korean adoptees and other adoptees, and I can't necessarily take on those challenges for them, but I'm going to be a person who can make sure that we're leading the next generation into a better place. Mm-hmm. You are empathetic and sympathetic to what other people are going through because you've gone through things, but just the fact that you are able to be kind of that voice of of reason to say, you know, especially if it's from if people are feeling down because of judgment, you know, to reassure mm-hmm. people like, but but who cares? Like, it doesn't matter what other people say, what other people think, like, it doesn't matter. And I think from mm-hmm. a mentoring standpoint and thinking about, you know, the next generation that that definitely is something that is a positive from you and something that you're really good at is just helping people kind of reframe and not lose sight of the fact of like what's important and that it's yeah. kind of what they, what they want to focus on and how they feel and kind of screw everybody else. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I should take my own advice more often. <laughs> hey, um, it's, but it's mostly to teach, right? <laughs> right, exactly. And I think one of the, the profound things that I said out loud was just that I've had so many things that burned me. I don't want to ever be that person that burns someone else the same way. Well, with that being said, we are so glad to be back with you all for this season. And as always, follow us on Instagram at Soul Conversation. Check us out on our website, www dot soulconversationspodcast.com and feel free to send us an email at soulconversationspodcast at gmail.com have a wonderful week and we will catch up with you all on our next episode bye everyone bye